Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. I have Parkinson's disease. This is when life gives you Parkinson's. Joining me on the podcast journey is my wife and partner in Parkinson's, Rebecca Gifford. And today, she'll be taking the lead. This episode means a lot to me, honey, because it's all about care partners and advocacy. Uh, We know a lot of care partners uh, through all of the organizations we work with, and they are tremendous advocates. They are. We know many of them, and we've had a few of them on the podcast. Today, I want to talk about care partners advocating for themselves. As care partners, we have a tough job. We take it seriously. Most of us are really good at it. But it's hard, and also, like much of the world, we often have others we're helping to care for, too. Young or adult children, aging parents. Lots of people tugging at your shirt tail. (laughs) Absolutely. It's natural, then, that care partners often forget to advocate for the most important person in their lives, themselves. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. What does self-advocacy mean? How do I make sure I'm heard in my life and family? How do I set healthy boundaries? How do I make sure my needs are met by the healthcare and Parkinson's community as well as yours? How do I make myself seen as more than simply that person who supports and sits beside you? If it's true that the family is diagnosed with Parkinson's and that we are each other's partner in Parkinson's, as we like to say, then how do I make sure that inside and outside of our relationship, I'm considered an equal partner worthy of equal consideration? I wondered if other care partners were asking these questions too, so I called on some folks to get their take. We'll hear from a couple of them now, and then later I'll introduce you to a new friend of mine who has the unique unicorn perspective of of being both a person with Parkinson's and she also has been a care partner. But first... I'm Cheryl Haig, and I'm married to Tim Haig Sr., And I'm Cheryl Choi, and I'm married to Jimmy Choi, the Fox Ninja. Oh, how great to hear from Cheryl and Cheryl. For those of you who are new to the Parkinson's community, Cheryl Haig's husband, Tim Haig, is an author and speaker and a co-founder of PD Avengers, but is probably best known for winning Amazing Race Canada Season 1 after being diagnosed with Parkinson's. She has been on the podcast before and actually coined the phrase we use all the time, partners in Parkinson's. Cheryl Choi's husband, Jimmy Choi, is an athlete with Parkinson's who's best known for competing on American Ninja Warrior. I've interviewed him before for the pod, and we are thrilled to welcome her to the When Life Gives You Parkinson's family. Cheryl Haig joined us from her home in Winnipeg, and Cheryl Choi from her home outside Chicago. They are both amazing, impressive, strong, wise women. They have active lives and careers, and they've accomplished great things within and outside of the Parkinson's community. So when I asked them to talk with me, I was thinking it would be so great to talk to these ladies and didn't really consider that we're working with an audio medium and they're both named Cheryl. (laughs) But we made it work. Oh, I am looking so forward to this conversation. We started out talking about how they advocate for themselves. The first voice you'll hear is Cheryl Choi. I am very lucky where I have a team that checks in on me outside of family um, just even with work. So I, I mentioned I still work full time. So I have a really good group there that checks in on me, that knows all the craziness that goes on with my life. So they provide cues for me where they say, you need to slow down or you just need to stop. Um, so that's been, that's been great, even during this pandemic. And then the other thing um, that I've been doing is just 
just shutting the door, even to my family. So I'm lucky enough where we have, we have space in our room, but to even just do some meditation, it's just that 10 minutes of um, just a reset. It, it does help. Uh, and then the rest is I am connecting virtually constantly with other folks that helps ground me because if work gets busy, then at least I have family to take my mind off of it. And then if the Parkinson stuff gets crazy, then I can focus on, on the work too. So it's, it's not necessarily active advocacy, but it's more of giving myself a mental break. Very early on uh, when Tim started speaking um, as well as he started a uh, wellness center, a charity for people living with Parkinson's here in Winnipeg. Um, it became very clear to me really quickly that his whole life is revolving around Parkinson's. So not just the fact that he has Parkinson's, but he he helps other people with Parkinson's and he speaks primarily to people with Parkinson's. So our whole life could be swallowed up in Parkinson's if I had allowed it, especially especially me because I'm his support system. So very early on, we had a very honest discussion about the fact that I can't be involved in absolutely everything. So besides the fact that I support him day to day, um, I also travel with him because he needs that. And I need to be there with him as well, just to just to um, participate in that part of his, his life and his journey. I can't, I've chosen not to be as involved with the charity as as much as I could. Um, when, when it's important for me to be involved, I am, but I don't go to everything. I don't attend everything that is offered. I kind of have pulled back in that one area. I have chosen that to be the thing that I, I don't become involved in so that I don't get swallowed up by the whole Parkinson's world. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and he's very understanding in that. I mean, he would love for me to be involved in absolutely everything, but he understands that I need that space. And so... For me, also, my work has been the place where that fills me, as well as I have some very good friends as well that, that I can be open and honest with. And we talk about other things besides Parkinson's. And um, it makes me feel like I have a life outside of that. And it helps me with my own personal well-being as well. I really liked what Cheryl Choi shared about having her own advocates she has people who are paying attention and asking her how she's doing, checking on her self-care. We, as care partners, are advocates for persons with Parkinson's and other people, but we need advocates too. Something Cheryl Haig said that caught my ear was she said, does it fill me up? And I thought of, oh, does it fill my cup? What does it empty my cup? Which is what we use to help decide whether we're going to do something or not do something or go somewhere or do something or meet somebody. And, uh, and so I, 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 I find that a really helpful tool. Well, and what is important to remember is that in a relationship, the same things don't necessarily fill and empty your cups. And in this situation, like Cheryl was describing, you have to have something else that means something to you because it doesn't always match. That fills his cup all the time. It doesn't always fill her cup. So she needed to find other things. And we do that in our relationship as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it works out great. Do you guys ever get uncomfortable advocating for yourself? Yeah, I think definitely all the time. It's a, it's a struggle because... It, it is, and maybe it's, it's a woman thing too. I think moms especially have this. It's like, you're the last person 
that you think of. It's like, is everybody taken care of? And I, I call it a whack-a-mole um, <laughs> exercise because to be honest, it, no, on an everyday basis, somebody is always off or hurting. And so it, it, it doesn't stop. And it's a constant probably talking to myself of like, you need to stop and you, you do need to do something for yourself because it, it's sort of like the, the, your own voice that's in your head you don't recognize anymore. And that to me is a cue. It's like, all right, I need to take a step back and, and just focus on myself even for just a little bit or, or even just saying out loud, I'm not okay. I think that's also, um, it's, it's a good cue for, for my friends too. It's like, all right, then it's a rally. Like, what do we need to do? So um, stopping to take care of yourself it has got to be, I think, more of a habit rather than the exception. Most of days, there's somebody that demands something from me. And while I don't mind, mostly, I do realize that I have to, like you said, Cheryl, that you have to stop and say, okay, what is it that I need here? And I, and I have come to realize I don't, I don't feel guilty anymore for stopping and taking that time or to stop and say, okay, what is it that are my goals and my dreams? And how can I fulfill those? Because I realize that when I do that, I'm a better version of myself and I will have more energy and more mental capacity to help those around me that need stuff from me, right? Whether it's Tim or our kids or our grandkids or friends, um, you have more energy and um, whether it's, it's mental energy or physical energy to give to them if you are taking care of yourself and advocating in that way for yourself and finding things that, that are fulfilling and give you life. I love that she used the whack-a-mole term. I, I, <laughs> I use that for me for how I'm dealing with my symptoms and I never thought of it from your perspective that like with everybody asking you and demanding things of you that, that that's kind of like playing whack-a-mole too. And it's all about timing and getting there fast enough and can you meet their needs and things are changing because pretty soon the other mole is going to come yeah. <laughs> up and then you've got to move things around. It's like the spinning spinning plates analogy that yeah. I use all the time. There's always something. Oh, and then don't forget about self-care too. <laughs> we got to oh, put that in that. Oh yeah, me. What about me? But I really like what both ladies said about creating the habit of taking care of yourself first. It's kind of like a muscle that you have to build and condition and get comfortable with, build it into your way of thinking and into your daily life. We started to talk a little about parenting and how our kids learn so much by watching how we live our lives, how we handle pressure and stress, how we take care of ourselves. Cheryl and Cheryl both reminded me how important it is to model for Henry advocating for myself and for my needs and valuing my own health and happiness in addition to his and yours, even with Parkinson's in the family. Our kids are a little bit older now, but um, they were teenagers when Tim first got his Parkinson's. That is a season of them kind of discovering themselves and they are very self-focused <laughs> during that time. Mm -hmm. And so they probably don't necessarily understand that we need time for ourselves. But like you said, Rebecca, it's so important to model it. And eventually, like now they get it, right? They understand and they have seen it modeled that, 
you need to take time for yourself to be the best that you can be for, for your job, for your school, for other people in your relationship, you know, your relationships. And also not even just ourselves, but, you know, Tim and I have always in our, in our marriage, put our relationship first, you know, and the kids have seen that time for us, for Tim and I is very important. And so that they can see what um, is a good relationship in a, in a marriage. This is a really good reminder. I often don't think about that Henry's watching everything that we do and how we do it. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, I feel like I'm, I'm just trying to get through my days and, and, and he's looking to see how I'm doing that and how you're doing that. Well, and I think it's important for him to see even those days when we're not doing well at taking care of ourselves or advocating for our needs. And then how do we recognize what we need and pivot and find solutions and figure out how to advocate for ourselves. We do have those days that aren't as graceful, uh, and it's finding a way through those days and, and, and ending on a positive. And him understanding that you don't have to do everything perfectly. You can make a different choice in the middle of a day that's not going perfectly. Yes, and <laughs> I am very good at having non-perfect days. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Let's listen into some more. I'm often struck by how sometimes when care partners take on that role that they can start to feel invisible. I know some folks who are dealing with that right now and are talking about that, some, some fellow care partners. And I understand it to some degree. Um, some care providers, the Parkinson's community, even family and friends can sometimes start to see a care partner only in relationship to, or primarily in relationship to this person who is dealing with something significant, has a lot of needs, requires a lot of attention. The, the family dynamic practically and emotionally and otherwise has kind of started to shape itself around what they're dealing with. So of course, there are connection to the Parkinson's community. They're the reason we're dealing with all of this, but sometimes it can imply um, from those around us that our value in the equation is less than our partners. I understand that it's rarely the intention of anyone to imply that, but I think it's a reality in some situations. Have either of you ever experienced that? It really bugged me, especially at first, that people would always ask, how's Tim doing? How's Tim doing? And nobody would ever stop and take the time to say, how are you doing? <laughs> Understanding that this is taking a toll on my life too. And that I'm living this, this life as well. This is my journey as well as it is Tim's, even though he has the physical symptoms, I'm, I'm experiencing all of them as well, right beside him. Um, just the other day, I was out for a walk with a friend and she asked me how I'm doing. And, you know, I was pretty honest with her. And then she said, is it okay if I ask you how you're doing? And I said, absolutely. I said, it bothers me that people never ask, you know, and, and she said, oh, wow, I'm so glad that it's, it's okay. And I think maybe some of the, it kind of made me realize that maybe some of the, the, um, res the resolution to that is letting people know that we need to know, <laughs> we need people to ask how we're doing. And maybe this podcast will be great for that, that it's okay to ask the person who is caring how are you doing in all of this? Mm -hmm. It's fascinating and a little sad how universal this experience is among the care partners I know and speak with. 
that feeling like you're kind of standing behind your person with Parkinson's, despite the huge impact the disease has on you and your life as well. Within the relationship, often, like our relationship, we are true partners in Parkinson's. We understand the equal effect that it has. Yet the outside world often doesn't see this. Yeah, and I don't know how to change that entirely other than to do what we're doing, which is to- Talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah. Make it a priority. I asked Cheryl and Cheryl whether the fact that their husbands are high profile and well known in and out of the Parkinson's community has an impact on them feeling invisible. They both explain that neither seeks the spotlight or is jealous of them in that way. They are happy to be standing on the other side of the camera and not being up on the podium giving the speech. But Cheryl Choi offered a prescient reminder. Really, my main thing that I actually am more conscious about are the kids because one, my little girl is also a ninja that's that can obviously get spotlighted as, as much as Jimmy is, but then also like with my little guy, you know, I think he probably feels the invisibility a little bit because they always talk about Karina and he's like, what about me? Just because I'm not doing ninja, you know? So it's a little bit about acknowledging him too and how he's doing and how he's understanding what else, what all else is going on. And actually that's what we've been trying to work on with him is to actually ask, I want him, both of them to ask me, you know, really understand what Jimmy is going through, what I'm going through relative to all this. And it's been interesting actually getting their perspective. Cheryl reminded me that Parkinson's also can overshadow our children and other affected family members. It's important to make sure everyone who wants to be seen and heard feels like they are. I think we do a pretty good job of including Henry in discussions around Parkinson's when he's wanting to participate in it. And he doesn't always want to, or he'll go, okay, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Too much. Too much. I'm out. (laughs) Which is fine. And, uh, you know, you'll hear him on the podcast every now and again, and sometimes he wants to be on it, and sometimes he has no interest whatsoever. Uh, And so we just need to keep that door open for him to uh, say the things that he wants to say about it. And sometimes he's frustrated and sometimes he's mocking me and, and trying to walk like me or you know carry a glass of water with a shaky arm because he's trying to relate to me. And, and he doesn't know what to say about it, but he's thinking about it. So this was a great reminder to continue to make space for him to have a voice in the family when it comes to the Parkinson's especially. Yeah, for sure. I was fortunate also to talk with Leslie Davidson. Leslie is an award-winning writer who happens to have Parkinson's. Not long after she was diagnosed, her husband Lincoln was diagnosed with Lewy body dementia, a devastating Parkinsonism. People may recall Lewy body is what Robin Williams was diagnosed with posthumously. Leslie's husband died six years ago. She generously spent some time with me to talk about her unique experience of being both a person with a degenerative neurological condition and a care partner and caregiver of a person with a degenerative neurological condition. The unicorn, honey. Oh my God. Besides understanding both sides of that from a self-care and life experience perspective, she also has advocated for both herself and her husband. Wow. What did you 
learn from being on both sides of that experience? I guess the, the biggest understanding that I have um, is that it's not better or worse to be in one role or the other. It's not easier or harder to be the, the person living with the disease or, or the caregiver. Both, both roles are, are very tough. Um, both roles have moments of grace and beauty for sure. Um, and it's, it's, it's changed me and it's still changing me. Um, having cared for Lincoln and not having a partner myself, I'm very aware that um, I need to be my own advocate. I have great children two beautiful daughters and they are incredibly supportive. And that's why we live in Revelstoke is because they are here with their families. Um, I don't want them to do for me what I got to do for Lincoln. I consider it an incredible privilege and a gift to have been well enough to look after him for as long as I did. I certainly couldn't keep him at home for the duration. He went into care for three years the last three years of his life, I was, I was losing it. <laughs> and my Parkinson's was getting out of control and um, friends offered good counsel. And I was seeing a therapist who offered good counsel and my doctor offered good counsel and the, the home care people I was working with offered good counsel. And, you know, you get a weight of people that you trust and like very much. I'm all saying the same thing. You, I listened. The most helpful thing that anybody said was, um, you will take a happier, healthier self to him every day. Mm. It won't just be about getting through, it will be about enjoying. And that was... Um, a shift helped me to shift my thinking around accepting. It was still the hardest thing I've ever done and will always be the hardest thing I've ever done, I think. Putting your loved one in a care home without you seems like it would be devastating because at the same time, this is the person that has forever filled your cup and is now beginning to take away from your cup. That's a hard reality to face. I can only imagine. Oh. She explains that it is the hardest thing she's ever done. She also acknowledges that it's one of the best decisions she's ever made. It actually created a situation where they both were able to get more of their needs met. And in that one heart-wrenching choice, she advocated for them both in perhaps the most impactful way she could. Lizzie also is a beautiful writer. She's written two children's books and her creative nonfiction piece called Adaptation won the CBC Nonfiction Award in 2016. I highly recommend everyone listening look up this stunning piece, especially Care Partners. It is a meaningful, emotional glimpse into Leslie and Lincoln's life as they dealt with an extremely difficult situation with both grace and humanity. 
I talked with Leslie about her writing and the role it played in her self-care and advocacy for both herself and for Lincoln. Oh, boy. Um, I think writing saved my life, at least my, um, my ability to cope, my ability to, to, to do better than cope, to have some um, strength and joy in my life. Um, I'm a chaotic talker and I'm a chaotic thinker and writing stuff down helped me sort out what I, what I was thinking and feeling and often revealed things to me that I, that I didn't know that it helped me clarify what was happening, what I wanted to happen, how I wanted to react to things, um, what plans I need to make. It was more than just getting it out of my head and onto paper. It was about finding clarity and, and the truth at that time. Um, it was really critical, I think, to, to staying on my feet. Would you consider writing also part of how you advocate for yourself? Writing is what I can do. And, it, and if it articulates the experience in a way that helps people understand, that helps another person with Parkinson's understand, helps their family understand, then I'm grateful. What I love is that she turned to her superpower, which is writing. Um, and does she consider it her advocacy? It's what she knows. And that's, that's, that's what we talk about with the, the, with the PD Avengers is bring your superpower, whatever it is that you do, that's your advocacy, whether it's riding a motorcycle up the sea to sky highway, or whether it's art singing or painting, improv or... comedy, what, whatever it is, that's, that is what you do. That's what you can offer. And that's what's most comfortable for you to offer. And because it speaks to you and it's something that comes from your heart and your soul, it will speak to others more effectively. And you'll be advocating for yourself and for the community in a really powerful way. At the beginning of the podcast, you were asking a series of questions out loud. And one of them was about how do you communicate better with the, uh, the health community, the, 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 um, my, my team of people? How do we as care partners advocate for ourselves within the healthcare community and within the Parkinson's organization community. And as we talk to um, care partners, that's a consistent issue. It's improving. There are a lot more programs geared towards care partners and their needs and not just how care partners can better help their person with Parkinson's, but what are the care partners needs? That is increasing exponentially, but it's certainly more awareness of the care partner experience could could help. And the value of your observations between medical appointments and whatnot, I think is underappreciated by the medical community. I think this is a conversation that we'll continue to have and we'll probably address in future podcasts. So at the end of this episode, do you feel like you have more or less questions? I will continue to ask these questions because they're healthy questions. And I want to be sure that at every stage and as things continue to evolve and progress in our Parkinson's journey, that I am aware of the best way to advocate for myself. Now I'm armed. And as I continue to speak with other care partners, wise, beautiful care partners, 
I'm armed with their experience and wisdom and advice as well. So this episode was was valuable to me and hopefully to others as well, in that we're all kind of collecting the wisdom of others and experiences of others and able to use that and rely upon that when we are feeling less effective as our own advocates. How can people with Parkinson's better support their care partner? Just continue to ask those questions. Remind your care partner to think about their own self-care. If if you've noticed that maybe it's been slacking off, notice when they need to be thinking about themselves, give them space, perhaps give them practical support so that they can do that as well. You are a great advocate for me in my self-care because you kind of always have it in mind. So just continue to pay attention to that. Don't assume that your care partner has what they need to advocate for themselves or to take care of themselves. See what you can do. Continue to ask the questions and know that they're supported in that process. Yeah, I think it boils down to communication. You have to constantly engage with your partner, your partners. <laughs> it's right in the name, partners and Parkinson's. Um, and we talk about things all the time. And, and like if something's feeling overwhelming to you or to me or whatever, we share that. And then, you know, like you're making dinner every night. And so then one, one little thing I can do is I can make, <laughs> I can pre-prepare a meal on Sunday that we can serve on Monday. But that one gesture meant the world to me because it, it told me that you're paying attention and you're recognizing all the things that I'm doing and all the things that I'm ref- feeling responsible for. And that you were willing to kind of take up what you could. You can't cook every night, but you could take that one day off of my plate. And you very actively said, I'm going to do this. And I went, cool. (laughs) That's great. It was just a very thoughtful gesture. And even just something like that, cooking one night, deciding on your own without being reminded that it's the day to clean the bathrooms. Just practical support like that can, can communicate a lot. And then for me, I have to put the notes in my calendar saying, oh, clean the bathroom. Right. <laughs> but you do. Yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> I, love I love you. you. Oh, Jinx, <laughs> buy me a Coke. Thank you to all these amazing people who bravely shared their stories and their wisdom with us for this episode. I'm lucky to know all of you and all of us are better off for having you in the Parkinson's community. You all have different perspectives and ways of advocating for yourself, and it goes to show that there are no right ways to accomplish this. There are simply the ways that fit your life and unique needs. And our needs are important because we're human and valuable. Cheryl and Tim Hague's amazing wellness center in Winnipeg is U-Turn Parkinson's, and you can learn all about it at their website. It's the letter U, U turnparkinsons.org You can find out more about all that Cheryl and Jimmy Choi do even buy some merch if you like at thefoxninja.com Links to Leslie Davidson's award-winning piece Adaptation and her other writing and books can be found at Leslie L-E-S-L-I-E LeslieADavidson.com We will also put all of these links into the liner notes for this episode This is When Life Gives You Parkinson's, a Curious Cast podcast. Our story producer is Dila Velazquez, and our sound design by Greg Schott. The presenting partner is Parkinson Canada, 
Diagnosed with Parkinson's, you are not alone. Parkinson.ca. Thanks also to our promotional partners, Spotlight YOPD, the only organization in the world with the singular focus of raising awareness of young onset Parkinson's disease, and you can find them at spotlightyopd.org. The Michael J. Fox Foundation Parkinson's Podcast, hosted by Larry Gifford. Available on Apple Podcasts and at michaeljfox.org. And nominated for a Webby. The World Parkinson Congress 2022 in Barcelona, Spain. Woo! Go to wpc2022.org for details. Also, later in May of 2021, it is the WPC's first ever virtual Congress. So you can sign up now at wpc2022.org. It's 25 bucks. Come on. That's a great deal. Yeah. And PD Avengers. Woohoo! Ready to help Ann Parkinson's? Join now at pdavengers.com. Bum, bum, bum. And thank you for listening. Uh, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Castbox, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, give the show a five star rating and feel free to comment. You also can engage with us on social media. It's at Parkinson's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or email us at parkinsonspod at curiouscast.ca. Keep positive. Keep exercising. Keep listening. We'll talk to you next time. Are you done recording? Yep. Yeah.